Welcome to Bursting the Bubble, the podcast from Houghton College, where each week we share a devotional thought, think bravely and truthfully about interesting things, and give you a flavor of this beautiful, fascinating place we call Houghton. I'm Michael Jordan. And I'm J.L. Miller. And this week, we're going to be catching up with our listeners after the coronavirus has kind of changed our lives. Where are we now? But first, Mike's going to share this week's devotional thought. Yeah, this week I've been thinking a lot about uh, old people, and that might include some of our listeners. So uh, during the pandemic that we've been experiencing, there's been a lot of talk about um, about how the virus kind of disproportionately affects older people, and some of the rhetoric around it has been a little frightening to me, just in terms of uh, kind of the national feeling of, well, at least this virus only impacts people with disabilities and people who are older. And it's really very vital that we remember that uh, people who are over 70 and immunocompromised are actually people (laughs) uh, who deserve our care and our respect and um, feel uniquely vulnerable at this time. So I I wanted to share with you, um, you know, my my students and maybe even you listeners have gotten to know my deep respect and love for Henry Nouwen. And uh, his book, Aging the Fulfillment of Life, that he wrote with Walter Gaffney, is a book I encountered only last year because I was reading through all of the Nouwen books that I hadn't read yet. And uh, in this book, he cites a study by someone named Bernice Newgarden. And uh, he quotes her here at length. And so I just want to read to you a little bit of what Newgarden writes in this study that she had done uh, on people in their 70s. Uh, She had done a study of about 2,000 people in their 70s and kind of how they perceived uh, their lives. So this is something she's written. So long as we believe that old people are poor, isolated, sick, and unhappy, or, to the contrary, powerful, rigid, and reactionary, we find the prospect of old age particularly unattractive. We can then separate ourselves comfortably from older persons and relegate them to inferior status. The resulting harm is great. Younger people shy away from close contact with the elderly, and the elderly can no longer be the teachers of the young by bringing them in touch with their own aging and helping them discover the precious sensitive center of their creativity. Much violence in our society is based on the illusion of immortality, which is the, the illusion that life is a property de- defended, a property to be defended and not a gift to be shared. When the elderly no longer can bring us in contact with our own aging, we quickly start playing dangerous power games to uphold the illusion of being ageless and immortal. Thus, not only will the wisdom of the elderly remain hidden from us, but the elderly themselves will lo- their, lose their own deepest understanding of life. For who can remain a teacher when there are no students willing to learn? I was really moved, uh, really moved by Nowen's thought here. Uh, it's a little unclear when the Newgarten quote ends. I think there's a quotation mark that kind of is blurred because it certainly sounds like Nowen at the end of that quote. But this idea that uh, people of all ages have a creative center and that people who have lived a long time are very aware of what that creative center is and very aware of the way uh, to be in touch with that creative center and kind of at home in themselves uh, is so important. And um, 
to lose that at this time in our world's history would be really, uh, really a tragedy. Um, already, you know, as I work with teenagers and 20-somethings, I'm aware of the ways in which they really are disconnected from the creative center of their life. They're not sure yet what they're called here to do, and they, they're nervous to do anything because they're afraid to take that first step because they know that failure could happen. And so sometimes they kind of get in this holding pattern, afraid to do anything. And so what they need in their lives is someone who are people who have done things and people who are now on the other side of that and being able to reflect on what they've done and what they wish to continue to do. And so uh, what a tragedy it would be if we began to see the elderly or continued perhaps to see the, see the elderly as somehow disposable. It's really important to find creative ways right now uh, to let uh, the elderly and those who are disabled in some way know of the deep care uh, that we have for them, right? Just as when there are times in our national dialogue where people of color feel particularly threatened, it's important for us to reach out and say, no, you're an important part of what we're doing here. Right now is a time to reach out to people who are over 70, over 80, people who are dealing with immunodeficiencies and say, no, we care about you and we, we want to protect your life. Your life is as important as my life as a fairly healthy 42-year-old. Um, it's such an important thing to do uh, right now. And so I'm hoping, you know, part of what, you know, our, our podcast is called Bursting the Bubble and part of what college life is sometimes is this bubble which makes students feel artificially like most people around them are young and healthy. And I'm hoping that partly something that can creative that can happen from them being unleashed into the rest of the world is that maybe they'll come back into contact uh, with older folks in a way that is mutually life-giving. So just what I wanted to share with you today, if you want to check out Nowen's book, Aging the Fulfillment of Life, it's it's not one of his works that's better known, but it's worth a read. So thought I'd share that with you uh, with you today. So JL, shall we get into some discussion? Because campus yeah. looks really different <laughs> all yeah. of a well, sudden. It's, it's uh, I mean... The last time we recorded a podcast, it was minutes after an email went out where kind of the uh, the snowball started rolling as far as the shifts around campus. Um, Mike, why don't you just, rem- I don't know, fill our listeners in as far as where we stand right now as a campus. And, and for those who are not in New York State, maybe you haven't paid attention state to state what's going on, but New York as a state and our situation being within New York, although we're removed from New York City, the state has uh, reached a pretty serious level of concern and regulation. So why don't you fill everybody in and then we'll chat about how we're dealing. <laughs> yeah, well, certainly this will be outdated by because you know, it changes so fluidly. Yeah, yeah. But I, I will say, like, currently, as we're recording this, there are about 30,000 people who have tested positive for coronavirus in New York State. Um, about 29,000 of those are people who live in New York City or on Long Island or in the surrounding counties right down there, Rockland County and the other counties that are right around the city. So uh, Buffalo and Rochester and Syracuse have some cases, about 100 or so, and a few deaths, um, but mostly it is located in New York City. Now that said, we have a couple of cases in Allegheny County, but because so much of the policy is statewide, um, we are as closed as businesses in New York City are. And so there are a few essential employees on campus. I did a little drive around campus this morning for something I had to do and every building is locked up. Uh, There are a couple of buildings where people are working and even those buildings are locked except for uh, time to come and get mail. 
And uh, just to be clear, like we're really supportive of this as a college, but it is not, mm-hmm. uh, it's not our doing necessarily. These are decisions that were made for us at the state level about what does and doesn't count as an essential uh, business and essential employees. And so we're doing our best to comply with those. Our great hope is that even as New York City is trying to catch up a little bit, that these measures will help um, help the spread of the virus to be really well contained by the time it gets to Allegheny County. There are a couple cases in the county, but that's all. And uh, so we're, we're very hopeful for that. Um, it, right now, it, we haven't had any confirmed cases connected with the college and a few negative tests have come back. So that's kind of where things are. Um, we are hopeful that things will begin to progress as normally as possible soon. But we'll just have to see see where it goes. So yeah, that means that all of us are kind of hold up doing our thing, and that means some complicated work life balance. So JL, tell us what's going on in your home as we speak. Yeah, well, for our listeners, Mike and I are actually sitting uh, apart from each other, recording yeah. this podcast, and we appreciate your uh, your graciousness as you listen to the podcast. It might sound a little bit different as we deal with technology connecting us from afar. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, I talked with you about this before, Mike, but it's been interesting. I've been doing a lot of reflecting because the whole the whole situation still feels surreal. For the first few days, I woke up in the morning and just felt like, is this a dream? Isn't a dream? How am I supposed to feel? There's a lot of things I'm missing. There's a lot of things I'm sad about. There's a lot of students I care about who are sad. But when it got down to kind of brass tacks, I was like, you know, the the type of life that Houghton invited me to build (laughs) Um, is one that allowed me to shift to uh, household quarantine fairly well. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, my family is used to spending lots of time together. We homeschool our four kids. So our education system kind of has kept marching along, um, even though the local schools have been uh, closed. Um, And again, I know a lot of people are doing education with their kids at home. But for us, we, we already had the curriculum. We already had plans. Um, dealing with my kids missing out on dance and extracurriculars and music lessons and things they were looking forward to and seeing their grandparents and family vacations that have all been shifted. Um, but for the most part, uh, it's been it's been pretty good. Uh, it It is tough uh, coordinating work from a distance. Meetings happening a lot online, emails back and forth. Um, I, I'm such an extrovert as you are, Mike, so it's it's tricky. I miss seeing lots of people, but I, I feel like um, I'm entering a new normal and I'm really comfortable with it because uh, of what you were just talking about in the devotional. I, there's a lot of people in my life for whom I want to say they matter enough for this level of inconvenience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find myself making myself available for students uh, more often because I think a lot of students who are kind of far flung are still processing what this looks like and and lamenting uh, the closure that some of the seniors were looking forward to. Mm-hmm. But I would say, by and large, day to day, I feel I feel good about uh, kind of my world and reality. The complications are okay, but you know we, we will get through this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about you, Mike? How, uh, how, how have things been going with your household? Because you've got you and Jill both teaching online now. You've yeah. got kids at two different schools doing different things, two different schools that are closed. Right, right. So, yeah, we, we have um, 
Yeah, it's it's a little complicated. Our two oldest kids are academy students. For for listeners who don't know me personally, uh, we have five kids, three of whom are in Fillmore, and then two of our at Houghton Academy. And the, the younger ones at Fillmore have been able to just have packets sent home for them to, mm-hmm. to get work done. The two older ones have classes that they're zooming in for, and so yes, our home internet in a rural area is not perfect and so it occasionally gets strained with four of us trying to do online uh, conferencing at the same time so yeah Jill's Jill's teaching Jill my wife Jill's a math professor again for those who don't know me personally so she's doing some teaching and and trying to be even more available to her students because her students usually work together on things but they have less ability to be together and do work uh, together so they're kind of leaning on her more so she's she's much busier than she was with teaching and uh, yeah, and I'm teaching almost a, a full load of classes, so that's a tricky, tricky time. Um, but it's all working, and like you said, JL, it's uh, you know we're we're well suited for it. Um, we we get a little cabin fever, and um, but but I think we're um, we've all adjusted at this point and feel okay uh, with our little world, and even trying to trying to find creative things to do in the middle of a little world that we couldn't do when our world was so so expanded. So yeah. We did want to. We did want to bring you up to speed on a couple of programmatic things that are going on. So we don't know how much we've talked about the Emanuel Scholars Program in general, but that's shifted a little bit. And so I wanted JL just to share a little bit about that, and I'll share about one other piece. Uh, yeah. Well. So um, first, to fill you in on the listeners, fill you in on what the Emanuel Scholars Program is. Uh, if you're a recent alum, you may have heard of it, but much longer than a couple years ago, it'd be a new new term. But Mike and I together created this uh, program that actually can operate as a class for credit or not for credit, but all but is not. Uh, it's a program you have to apply to get into. Uh, it's aimed primarily at sophomores, but we call it a kind of spiritual formation with a special focus toward vocation. So our idea is to work with sophomores for a year and help them discover a deep sense of who God has made them to be. So that when they wrap up their next two years at Houghton, they can imagine how they may invest back in the campus or when they go beyond Houghton, whether it's grad school or a stay-at-home parent, single, married, overseas, in the States, that whatever life changes come that they can remember at their core, this is who I am. (laughs) And it doesn't matter if I'm employed or not employed. It doesn't matter if I'm... uh, at a church, uh, you know, as a head pastor, or I'm just attending as a lay person, this is who God has made me to be and how I can use that calling in the world. And so when we are here on campus and functioning fully, what we do with the program is uh, we have majors from all over, all different disciplines that come together. We meet every week, uh, Wednesday nights, and we discuss a book that we've been reading together. We have a series of books we, we march through that cover varieties of, of topics and uh, after the book discussion, we have dinner together. So there's a time of fellowship, a time of breaking bread together, and a time of intellectual engagement. In addition to that, all of the participants meet weekly uh, for a one-on-one time, either for spiritual direction, or they meet with Mike or myself for kind of mentorship, processing things, or they rotate through um, a time in silence and spiritual practices. And uh, we bookend the years with two retreats. We start the retreat out at uh, Queen of the Apostles. No, Queen of the Apostles is another retreat center. Sorry, I'm mixing up my retreat centers. Stella, Stella Niagara. Niagara. Stella yeah, Niagara, right. yeah. which is a, uh, a Franciscan uh, order in uh, up 
near Niagara Falls, on the Niagara, or north of Lewiston, uh, or next to Lewiston, north of Niagara Falls. Beautiful, beautiful location. And we uh, just get away and introduce the students a little bit to um, the religious life. But again, the Franciscan sisters there are, are um, very welcoming, but they're laid back as far as what students may think about a nun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, uh, not wearing their habits these days and, and very uh, just a, a different experience than I think what they understand in their minds. Then we traditionally end the year at uh, Abbey of the Genesee, where the students get to interact with a much higher order of the religious life with Trappist monks at the Abbey of the Genesee. And during that retreat, we have the students do kind of a year-end reflection on the sense of what God's called them to be. So that's what we do. But right now, we've made some adjustments because students are gone. They're spread out. Um, we're sad that for this go-around, we've had to cancel the year-end retreat. Um, the Abbey has closed, which makes complete sense because uh, the population at the Abbey are wonderful men, but they're all much older than, yeah, uh, yeah they're, they're, they're much older than middle age, I would say. Um, and uh, we will figure out some way to connect with our Emmanuel Scholars at the tail end of the year, but we're still meeting on Wednesday nights. Um, without food together, but we did meet on Zoom and we're still discussing books. So we're, we're sticking with the, we're sticking with the plan. Um, for us, this group meeting synchronously and being able to talk together has been really important. Still holding the one-on-ones and the spiritual direction is still happening via Skype and Zoom. So we're thankful that those key components can continue. Mm -hmm. So yeah, anything yeah, else to add? Well, just one thing to remind people. So this should be releasing on Monday, March 30th. Yep. The application deadline for next year is tomorrow. So if you're a student who's interested in this, hopefully fully functioning program next year, uh, be sure to go through your email and uh, see, a, see an email for me. If you're interested in applying, there's a short application. It's not a huge, difficult process, but uh, some of the applications have already come in, so I'm pretty excited to see who's already interested in the program. And uh, but, but this is something that um, we're really proud of and feel like is a really strong, potent distinctive. So, yeah, we're having a great project. time with it. We're, this is our second year, and we've had just great feedback from students, a great time for the two of us having fun, uh, co leading and taking turns making dinner and taking turns leading discussion. Um, and if listeners who have no uh, familiarity with Emanuel Scholars want more info, you can always email us, podcast at houghton.edu. We'll send you the book list of what we've used currently. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. nothing too fancy or tricky, but just some books that we've tried to pick out or the types of discussions that are most interesting to the students. But, uh, you know, Mike, as we talk about things that are changing, I think all listeners understand that we've gone online for teaching because that's happened across the country. But it wasn't that long ago we were recording an episode talking about the beauty of gathering for chapel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now mm -hmm. uh, you can't pull anybody together for chapel. So yes. uh, how are you responding? What, what, what do you have to offer the, the Houghton diaspora as we're <laughs> spread around? Yeah, that's a good, yeah. It, it really is a challenging time because I, th I think we're all trying to figure out like how do we draw on what's really good and healthy and best about the Houghton experience um, while being able to really communicate that more broadly and particularly I'm feeling that like right now um, you know in the early days of a pandemic whatever this means kind of long term for our state our nation um, you know we I I should say just kind of in my pastoral role here really want to give our students guidance on how to think and feel and process this time 
um, because it's it, they're they're taking in messages from all over about um, about how precarious and fragile everything feels right now, including their own bodies. And so, um, what I've done, you know, traditionally that's the kind of thing we handle in chapel. Like it's the kind of thing where I, when I perceive that pastoral need, that's where I speak to it. So what we've decided to do is I've started a new, uh, maybe it's because this podcast experience has made me super comfortable with our <laughs> setup, but I've decided to do a 10 minute daily podcast we're calling Go In Peace, which is of course short for Go In Peace to Love and Serve the Lord, the traditional benediction that I always use at the end of chapel. And, um, during Go in Peace, we're just trying to reflect on, uh, we're using the college lectionary texts that we've picked out for each day of the year. We had picked those out before, but just trying to draw connections between those texts and the life that we're living right now and uh, trying to give students that guidance, that touchstone to help them sort of give them a grammar for how to process this in a way that acknowledges the full gravity of what we're going through, but also says, okay, there's a possible hopeful response for us. Um, but again, trying to figure out ways to do that that are useful to students um, and not pushy, um, but also really needy, um, you know, giving them some real meat to hang on to. So uh, if you want to listen to that, that releases at 11 a.m. every day, uh, Monday through Saturday at uh, the Houghton Spiritual Life website. So if you go to Houghton.edu, click on Spiritual Life, and then you'll find a link to it at the bottom. And would be glad for not only students listening to it, but for all of us. Like, I hope it's something that's useful. I kind of perceive it almost as fireside chat kind of time, you know, mm -hmm. just a few minutes to check in with main campus, what's going on here, uh, so that you can kind of have a, a sense of stability and structure in the day. So I just think it's so important right now. Like, JL, I don't know how you feel about it, but like, I, I feel like this has the potential to be a broader crisis moment for Christianity. Like what is what is the role of the church as we have known it in terms of gathering um, being together in person in the flesh you know we we have placed such a high value on that in Houghton um, and and sometimes in a way that even is a little romantic about you know what it, what it means to gather together we can kind of romanticize it but but it's so foundational to who we are as a church like when we when we think about, all of the churches uh, around the world, um, but in our country in particular, that just sort of have not been terribly technologically savvy, but have focused on the, the importance of gathering together. That sense of like, what is lost when we can't do that? Yeah. And, and the things we try to replace it with. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Just You know, um, I don't want to be a clanging gong in the middle of a, a culture that has so many different opinions flowing around as we're kind of in uncharted territories. But as I was having kind of some initial reactions or, 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 or kind of prayerful processing through what was going on, I've just come to really appreciate the beauty of embodied gathering. And, and I've not yet completely put my <laughs> finger on all the bits and pieces of what what I believe is missing because I, I really do value, like when I meet with my students on Zoom, they say it's so good to see everybody's face. <laughs> like there's, right, right. but, but um, I happen to have one of my classes a few hours after students had kind of dealt with the news that they were gonna be headed home. And, uh, and that was in the early days where it really, this, uh, I don't think everybody understood all that was gonna shift. So they were processing it. And there were a lot of teary eyes, students that were really mourning something that they were losing and friendships that they were worried about not being able to have time with or people to say goodbye to. And, um, 
And I just ask them to consider that as they enter a world in a few years as, as graduates that will continually tell them that uh, technology and screens will, will allow them everything that they've dreamed of, the connections that they need, the relationships they need, that the time they spend connecting via very natural means for them uh, through devices is the, is the way to be. I said, remember how you're feeling now. <laughs> Because, uh, and I didn't want to get too preachy, but I said, but, but what you realize you're losing is something that you, you'll lose without a pandemic if you just ignore the beauty of gathering and friends and the, just that embodied connection. I don't mean to be sound like a, a Luddite, but I feel like sometimes the last thing a screen can provide is embodied relationship. Um, or I guess... Mike, you probably have some thoughts on it because you think a lot more in, a, in the worship and sacramental sense. But for me, there's there's just there's opportunities, but there's limitations. And I think for the church, what I say to what I'm saying to students is a larger conversation of what have we lost and what will we be excited to regain when we come back together. Yeah, I you know I I've always thought about this question like in terms of. Uh, accountability and I don't mm. mean accountability like we Christians sometimes talk about it in terms of like an accountability group or partnership but I just mean like there's a there's an accountability that comes when we're fully present in the same room um, we y you could notice the difference like if you go to a play uh, versus going to a movie and if if the play is not good uh, people will still pay attention to the play politely because they realize the actors are there in the same room and because they're there in the same room they are fully human to the people who are in the room with them and so um, people are less likely at a play to kind of check out and start using their phones or, uh, or, or whatever. Whereas in a movie, like if people, if there's a realization that everybody in the theater thinks this movie's bad, then you know people will start talking to each other or start checking their phones or start heckling because there's a sense that that person up on the screen is not fully human to me um, mm. and and that can be overcome like you and i right now are on screens with each other and we're talking to each other and we realize oh that person in my life is fully human and so i right. i owe them attention but something is really lost when we don't have that personal connection with the person so i, I even feel it like I, I i'm profoundly grateful that right now my home church, uh, Houghton Wesleyan, that we can, uh, your church too, Jay, it's not mine, but I'm so <laughs> grateful that we can stream on Sunday morning. Like that's really good. Uh, but at the same time, like I find myself not as present to the worship as I could be. And also just, I mean, the singing feels a little, like there's something so right. different about singing together as opposed to kind of watching Amanda lead singing on a screen and her encouraging us to sing along at home. But uh, it's different with a, uh, you know, two of us and five kids, some of whom don't know the songs, trying to get them to sing along to something just loses something of what's meant to be accomplished in the gathering. And like you, JL, I think it's really important to say, like, I, we're not Luddites. Like, we're we're putting out a podcast about this. So right. be aware. <laughs> like, we, we, there's a way in which the embodied world can touch the virtual world. But I think it's really important for us to think through what that is and not just sort of plow ahead as if you could as if you could like make a copy of the embodied world, put it on a screen and say, yes, it's doing the same thing that embodiment um, is doing. I, I feel it, even like when I'm teaching a class, right, versus like there's all kinds of different embodiments. So like even when I'm preaching, there's a little like 
physical and emotional distance between me and the students who are listening to me when I'm preaching. Whereas like when I'm teaching in the classroom and there's really only four feet between me and the person in the front row, there's a whole different level of attention that they're supposed to show. And um, so it's like we, we can't lose this sense of what it means to be together. And so that I think for us right now at Houghton is this really creative. I think it's, it's an amazing opportunity to think through how does a fundamentally embodied place make a transition to what it can contribute to a wider world? How can this be a tool for us to connect with the wider world rather than thinking, oh yeah, we can make the exact same Houghton happen anywhere through a screen because right. they, they can't really. So yeah, I don't know. I, I see so many dangers and so many positives uh, for the church in this moment. And yeah. No, I just think good thoughts. I think as our time's coming to a close, you know, we invite listeners if for the next few weeks, we are going to be carrying on normal podcasts, but we will be bringing sure. in guests that we'll be asking some of them how they're processing their 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 role at the college as it's shifted temporarily, mm-hmm. um, what it looks like. But if you if podcast listeners have questions that they'd like to have us discuss, because uh, Mike and I spend a lot of time living and working alongside um, a close embodied community and we'd spend a lot of time putting efforts towards gathering people together so we are also spending all we're not experts on it but we're spending a lot of time reflecting on what this looks like now that we're kind of spread out and what it looks like to have a core embodied community spread out and what are the limitations and opportunities again we don't have all the answers but we spend a lot of time thinking and talking about these things um and please uh podcast listeners uh as much as it may, as much as we have said, maybe it sounds like a lot of things are closed at Houghton. Know that Houghton is still completely, fully uh, in existence in the sense of uh, everybody's still carrying along the the, the heavy work of yep. caring for students. It's just it's just happening in different forms right now. Yep, yep, and and it's really a time of kind of learning what what we can do this way well. You know, and I, my sense is that everybody involved is is. In, in good spirits about it um, because I, I feel like everybody sort of recognizes okay like this is not ideal but it's a time when we can figure out you know already I, I've learned some things that I think that we can do fairly easily that can help us going forward to continue to have a greater impact in the virtual world so well JL it's been good chatting I appreciate this uh, time with you even at a distance uh, from each other it's always good to chat and it's good to have some listeners along for the ride as always, just uh, we encourage listeners to keep praying for and supporting the work of Houghton right now more than ever. Like this is a time where um, we 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 are relying on the fact that Houghton is not any one particular person, and it's really not even one place. Um, but it's a group of people who have been touched in a certain way uh, by a, a people and a place. And we would just encourage you to keep finding ways to pray for and support the work of Houghton. So continue to point students to us, um, continue to pray for us. Uh, We want to be a a community that uh, witnesses to the world about what a healthy Christian learning community can do for all of us. We will keep praying for you. We no longer have our morning and afternoon uh, regular gathering times of prayer, but 
I am glad to pray for mm-hmm. concerns that come to us, particularly so as I prepare the podcast, I will uh, faithfully look at our podcast email address, and if there are concerns there that I personally can pray for, I'd be glad to, be glad to share them with JL, and uh, more widely if that's useful to you. So please reach out at podcast at houghton.edu if you have a concern that we can pray for you for. And we will send you out with our traditional benediction. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. You have been listening to Bursting the Bubble, the podcast of Houghton College. For questions or comments on this program, email podcast at houghton.edu. Bursting the Bubble is a production of Houghton College. For more information about Houghton College, visit www.houghton.edu.